welcome to Inside the BACB, the official podcast of the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Inside the BACB. I'm Dr. Jim Carr, the organization's CEO, and I'm joined today by our Director of Ethics, Dr. Tyra Sellers. Howdy, everybody. So this is the latest episode in our series covering the Ethics Code for Behavior Analysts that was published in December of 2020. And just as another reminder, the new code goes into effect January 1st, 2022. So in this episode, we will cover Section 4, Responsibility to Supervisees and Trainees. I have to admit, I'm pretty excited. This is one of my favorite sections, as I think that high-quality supervision is really critical to the success of our profession. So we're going to discuss each of the standards, as always, focusing on sort of what's new, what's missing, what's different, and I'm really excited. Me too. All right. Before we get into the standards in this section, let's spend a little time talking about who was covered by the standards. So the title is Responsibilities to Supervisees and Trainees. So let's start with who is covered by the definition of supervisee. So that definition reads, any individual whose behavioral service delivery is overseen by a behavior analyst within the context of a defined, agreed-upon relationship. Supervisees may include RBTs, BCABAs, and BCBAs, as well as other professionals carrying out supervised behavioral services. So, Tyra, how's that different from the definition in the Professional and Ethical Compliance Code for Behavior Analysts? Well, the first part is virtually the same. The two critical factors that would make someone a supervisee are, one, are they carrying out behavioral services to clients? And two, are those behavioral services under the direction of a BCABA or BCBA? So the major change is the addition of the examples. And it's really important that individuals understand if they're responsible for overseeing behavioral programming for a client and they've got individuals carrying out those services, then those individuals meet the definition of a supervisee. That could be an RBT. It could be a behavior tech. It could be a paraprofessional. So it's important that people understand that it's a very functional definition. Right. And it doesn't require that the person being supervised hold a BACB credential. Exactly. All right. And then we have the definition of trainee, which is new. And this reads, any individual accruing fieldwork or experience toward fulfilling eligibility requirements for BCABA or BCBA certification. And this one was added to bring the language in the code in line with just kind of the updated vernacular used by the BACB. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because the BACD implemented this term trainee to identify those individuals actively accruing their fieldwork experience hours, it was really important that the code reflect that specific language. All right, so let's get to the standards. Uh, Section 4, Responsibility to Supervisees and Trainees, includes 12 standards. That's five more than in Section 5.0, behavior analysts as supervisor section of the the current ethics code. Again, I think this reflects the increasing importance of supervision in our profession. So the first standard is 4.01, compliance with supervision requirements. And it reads, behavior analysts are knowledgeable about and comply with all applicable supervisory requirements. For example, BACB rules, licensure requirements, funder and organization policies including those related to supervision modalities and structure, 
for example, in-person, video conference, individual, and group? Yeah, this standard is way broader than 10.5 compliance with BACD supervision and coursework standards in the professional and ethical compliance code. But that's in line with the other revisions that we've made in the ethics code for behavior analysts. So 4.01 requires that individuals need to be aware of and comply with the relevant requirements related to supervisory activities in whatever particular context they might be practicing. That's really important because the code by itself couldn't prescribe or outline all of the possible permutations, right? So the burden really is on the individual to know. So if the context includes supervising trainees who are accruing fieldwork experience hours, then the relevant requirements are those from the BACB and maybe some from funders. Maybe if it's affiliated with the university, there might be some practica requirements. On the other hand, if you're providing supervision to paraprofessionals in an educational setting or maybe behavior technicians in a community work setting, then you've got to be aware of and comply with any requirements that are relevant to those specific contexts. So 4.01 basically says be familiar with and follow all the supervision requirements relevant to your practice context. You have to understand what the universe of those requirements is. Okay, standard 4.02 is titled supervisory competence, and it reads behavior analysts supervise and train others only within their identified scope of competence. They provide supervision only after obtaining knowledge and skills and effective supervisory practices, and they continually evaluate and improve their supervisory repertoires through professional development. Obviously, this standard has been expanded to include not only supervisory practices, but also training activities. It's also been expanded to require that individuals must obtain knowledge and skills to allow them to provide effective supervision before providing such services, and that they have to engage in ongoing self-evaluation and development activities to continue to strengthen their knowledge and skills. Indeed, they do. Okay, so that takes us to 4.03, which is titled Supervisory Volume, and this standard reads, behavior analysts take on only the number of supervisees and trainees that allows them to provide effective supervision and training. They are knowledgeable about and comply with any relevant requirements, for example, BACB rules, licensure requirements, funder and organization policies. They consider relevant factors, for example, their current client demands, their current supervisee or trainee caseload, time and logistical resources. They consider these on an ongoing basis and when deciding to add a supervisee or a trainee. When behavior analysts determine that they have met their threshold volume for providing effective supervision, they document this self-assessment and communicate the results to their employer or other relevant parties. This standard is really, really critical. Short of providing a specific number of allowable supervisees or trainees, which would never be appropriate given the wide range of complex variables that you have to consider, this standard provides some examples of factors that should inform decisions about supervisory volume. Now, the list is not exhaustive, but the hope is that it provides some guidance when folks are conducting a self-assessment. Ultimately, the determining variable is effectiveness. Only take on a number of supervisees or trainees that allow you to be effective as a supervisor. That's right. And the standard provides some specific things to consider in making that determination. 
For example, it's important to make sure that supervisors can meet all the relevant requirements that might dictate frequency, duration, and modality of supervisor contacts. 100% correct. And then a supervisor needs to take stock of other important factors that could impact their ability to be effective, such as how many clients are on their caseload, how many clients are on each trainee or supervisee's caseload, what are the needs of those clients, what are the needs of the supervisees or the trainees, is there significant drive time required? It would be virtually impossible to provide a complete list of the variables that you would need to evaluate. In fact, the relevant variables are likely to shift and change over time for a given individual as they increase their experience level or maybe take on new practice areas. So really this evaluation needs to be ongoing. Also, the standard directs individuals to document their self-assessment processes and outcomes. And if they feel that they've objectively met their threshold, their ability to provide effective supervision, then they can use that document to open up a discussion with their supervisor or employer. That's right. And to wrap up on this standard, I encourage our listeners to read our recent newsletter article from 2020 titled Taking Supervision Seriously. There's tremendous guidance in that article, including a good bit on supervisory volume and an example related to RBT supervision. And for those who are supervising RBTs, I would say anyone supervising more than 15 or so, check out that article and do the math. I just make sure that everything is tip top. Okay, so the next standard 4.04 is titled Accountability and Supervision. And it reads, behavior analysts are accountable for their supervisory practices. They are also accountable for the professional activities, for example, client services, supervision, training, research, activity, public statements of their supervisees or trainees that occur as part of the supervisory relationship. Can you talk a little bit about where this standard came from, Tyra? Yeah, of course I can. So 4.04 is most closely related to the general sort of overarching language that can be found right underneath the 5.0 title of the Professional and Ethical Compliance Code, as well as being kind of loosely related to language in the 5.01 supervisory competence of the Professional and Ethical Compliance Code. So really 4.04 sets the standard that individuals are responsible for the entirety of their supervisory activities, and that includes being responsible for their supervisee and trainee's professional behavior occurring within the context of the supervisor relationship. Supervisors are necessarily more skilled and experienced than their supervisees and trainees, and so they bear kind of a a greater degree of responsibility for the professional activities of those under their supervision. All right. Well, the next standard is 4.05, Maintaining Supervision Documentation, and it reads, Behavior analysts create, update, store, and dispose of documentation related to their supervisees or trainees by following all applicable requirements, for example, BACB rules, licensure requirements, funder and organization policies, including those related to confidentiality. They ensure that their documentation and the documentation of their supervisees or trainees is accurate and complete. They maintain documentation in a manner that allows for the effective transition of supervisory oversight if necessary. They retain their supervision documentation for at least seven years and as otherwise required by law and other relevant parties and instruct their supervisees or trainees to do the same. Is this one new? Yeah, it is new as a standalone standard. 
So what that means is the requirement to maintain documentation appears in the current standards, but there's not a specific overarching separate standard to clearly indicate the requirements related to documentation in supervision. So 4.05 is pretty lengthy. There are a lot of commas in there, but essentially it requires supervisors to know about and comply with the relevant documentation requirements. It also requires that supervisors ensure the accuracy of their documentation and really importantly, that they ensure the accuracy of their supervisee and trainees documentation. So for example, supervisors might want to consider implementing periodic audits to ensure accuracy of their own and their supervisee or trainees documentation. Another really important aspect of this standard, I think, is the requirement to ensure that documentation is maintained in a way that would allow for a timely and streamlined transition to another supervisor if that needed to happen. Right, and there are many reasons someone might shift between two or more supervisors, and 4.05 should minimize barriers that could occur during these transitions if paperwork was just not up-to-date or accurate. Yep. All right, standard 4.06 is providing supervision and training, and it reads, behavior analysts deliver supervision and training in compliance with applicable requirements, for example, the ACB rules, licensure requirements, funder and organization policies. They design and implement supervision and training procedures that are evidence-based, focus on positive reinforcement, and are individualized for each supervisee or trainee and their circumstances. Yep, 4.06 sets the requirement that supervisor and training activities have to comply with relevant requirements, and it sets the expectation for those activities. For example, supervision and training activities have to be developed from an evidence-based practice standpoint. They have to primarily rely on the use of positive reinforcement as opposed to using you know, negative reinforcement, coercion, or punishment. The standard also requires that the activities have to be designed to meet the needs of the individual supervisee or trainee in the context in which the activities are occurring. So whereas having competency-based practices are super critical, supervisors also then have to individualize those practices such that they're effective for each unique trainee or supervisee. All right, so that brings us to a new and important standard, 4.07 incorporating and addressing diversity and it reads during supervision and training behavior analysts actively incorporate and address topics related to diversity for example age disability ethnicity gender expression and identity immigration status marital relationship status national origin race religion sexual orientation and socioeconomic status yeah, this standard is so critical because it really places that clear expectation that supervisors have to actively include topics related to diversity and cultural responsiveness into their supervisory and training activities and the competencies that they set up. It's intentionally broad, such that the topic of diversity has to be really woven into the full spectrum of a supervisor's practice. Well said. Uh, I like that. The uh... The topic should be woven into the full spectrum of a supervisor's practice. All right, standard 4.08 is next. Uh, it's titled Performance Monitoring and Feedback, and the standard reads, behavior analysts engage in and document ongoing evidence-based data collection and performance monitoring, for example, observations and structured evaluations of their supervisees or trainees. 
They provide timely, informal, and formal praise and feedback designed to improve performance and document formal feedback delivered. When performance problems arise, behavior analysts develop, communicate, implement, and evaluate an improvement plan with clearly identified procedures for addressing the problem. So this is an expansion of the current 5.06 standard in the Professional and Ethical Compliance Code, and it focuses on requiring supervisors to continuously collect data and engage in active performance monitoring such that they can really consistently evaluate their supervisees and trainees' performance. The portion on feedback includes informal and formal feedback, which requires supervisors to be actively and continuously involved in shaping performance through sort of in the moment praise and feedback during naturally occurring opportunities or activities that they create, as well as through more structured documented opportunities like competency checks or scheduled performance reviews. Yeah, it also provides requirements for addressing performance issues by requiring supervisors to design a plan to address the issue, to discuss the plan with the individual and to implement and then review the outcomes of the plan. You know, this shouldn't feel new to folks. The This is the behavioral way. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, moving on to 4.09, delegation of tasks. The standard reads, behavior analysts delegate tasks to their supervisees or trainees only after confirming that they can competently perform the tasks and that the delegation complies with applicable requirements. For example, the ACB rules, licensure requirements, funder and organization policies. Standard 4.09 represents a subtle but really important revision. The language is really similar, but now it requires that a supervisor has to ensure that a supervisee or trainee can competently carry out a task before delegating it, and that they only delegate tasks that comply with any kind of applicable requirements, such as those you know, from a funder. So to be clear, this obviously does not mean that supervisors cannot have supervisees and trainees participate in tasks that are new and unmastered. It does mean that a supervisor can't direct a supervisee or trainee to independently carry out a task unless that supervisor is really sure the individual can effectively carry it out and that doing so is actually allowed by any relevant entities. So in other words, if a funding source or organization policy precludes a line technician from carrying out certain tasks, then this standard also prevents supervisors from delegating that task to a line technician to independently complete, assuming that there was a supervisory relationship there. Thanks, Tara. That's a good example. Okay, we have uh, three more standards to go. Standard 4.10 is titled Evaluating Effects of Supervision and Training, and it reads, Behavior analysts actively engage in continual evaluation of their own supervisory practices using feedback from others and client and supervisee or trainee outcomes. Behavior analysts document those self-evaluations and make timely adjustments to their supervisory and training practices as indicated. Yeah, the main requirements for this standard are pretty similar to 5.07 of the Professional and Ethical Compliance Code, but it's been expanded to specify some of the sources of the evaluative feedback, and then it also makes it clear that the supervisor needs to do something with those data once they have them. Specifically, 4.10 requires supervisors to make a record of their self-evaluations, and then guess what? They need to make any changes uh, or improvements in their own practices based on the feedback and self-evaluation that they have compiled. 
All right. 4.11 is titled Facilitating Continuity of Supervision, and the standard reads, Behavior analysts minimize interruption or disruption of supervision and make appropriate and timely efforts to facilitate the continuation of supervision in the event of planned interruptions, for example, temporary leave or unplanned interruptions, for example, illness and emergencies. When an interruption or disruption occurs, they communicate to all relevant parties the steps being taken to facilitate continuity of supervision. Okay, so this standard is new and it's pretty important, and it parallels some of the expectations in place for continuity of services to clients. 4.11 lays out the requirements that supervisors are active and planful in preventing any kind of interruption to supervision, no matter if the interruption is planned or unexpected. It requires that supervisors have some level of a backup plan to prevent or minimize negatively impacting their supervisees. This standard also requires that if barriers or disruptors do come up, the supervisor needs to make sure all relevant parties are aware of the actions being taken to ensure that required supervision will not lapse for the supervisee. So for example, that could mean having a backup supervisor with a signed contract who could cover in the event that the primary supervisor has some sort of life event that prevents them from providing supervision for some period of time. That's good guidance, and I suspect that a number of supervisees and trainees will appreciate that it's now in the code. <laughs> you are all welcome. Yeah. The final standard in the section is 4.12, and it's titled Appropriately Terminating Supervision. This standard reads, when behavior analysts determine for any reason to terminate supervision or other services that include supervision, they work with all relevant parties to develop a plan for terminating supervision that minimizes negative impacts to the supervisee or trainee. They document all actions taken in this circumstance and the eventual outcomes. This is another new standard and it's related to other standards around terminating services for clients. It's pretty straightforward requiring that the supervisor kind of proactively work with relevant parties to come up with a supervision termination plan that functions to minimize negatively impacting the supervisee or the trainee. Now, the language for any reason needs to be applied to a given context, um, as does the language around developing a plan to address the needs. For example, if the trainee or supervisee is moving away or transitioning to a different company, the plan might involve completing, you know, kind of final competency assessments that are reasonable, updating any shared paperwork, making sure everyone has access to the paperwork, and maybe having a meeting with the supervisee or trainee to provide a final summary of feedback focusing on their strengths maybe remaining areas for development, uh, and maybe, you know, information that can be passed along to potential supervisors at the new location. It might even include offering to meet with the new supervisor at the new company. I think you can also imagine a situation where the termination is really sudden. For example, the supervisee or trainee maybe becomes ill or engages in um, some illegal behavior that means that the supervision needs to cease. In such cases, the termination plan for the supervisor might be as simple as just ensuring that all of the paperwork is in order in case it does need to be handed off to someone. Solid advice. All right, well, that concludes our review of the standards in section four, responsibilities to supervisees and trainees of the ethics code for behavior analysts. 
Uh, yeah, I can't believe that we are halfway through all of the sections. I appreciate the chance to review this standard and update folks about some of the differences and similarities across the current professional and ethical compliance code and the new ethics code for behavior analysts. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Inside the BACB. Stay tuned for more episodes in this series and take care, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Inside the BACB. Don't miss future episodes. Subscribe now.